0: topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitian's Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu.
1: Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast. You are joining us for episode 282, Heart Health Updates. In today's episode, we will be doing a deep dive into cardiovascular health, from discussing how the heart works, vascular function what occurs with heart disease, drivers of blood clots, and, of course, functional solutions.
2: Yes, I feel like this is a long overdue episode. We have put out a good amount of content, but not a lot on cardiovascular health and heart health. It kind of falls into conversations when we're talking about inflammation, or maybe we're talking about infection, or updates with the recent experimental injection and in myocarditis. So we will be linking some past episodes. We have the episode 128 with Dr. Nadir Ali, who's a cardiologist, a ketocardiologist at that. And then we also have an episode that we'll be linking um, called Cholesterol as Medicine, which is a really deep dive on the benefits and really understanding what cholesterol does in the body how many milligrams your liver produces on a daily basis, the idea that you know LDL actually is an inverse relationship with all-cause mortality, so the lower the better may not be appropriate. Uh, and in today's episode, we're really going to talk a lot more about like endothelial function, vascular function, arrhythmia, and the cardiac muscle, if you will, and the function of it. So lots uh, to discuss. I think we will have fun while we do it, but this will be one of those good deep
1: dives to really help you understand about your heart. All right, and before we get into that, let's talk updates. So we've got an exciting program launching in April. Um, We've toyed around with, should we do another detox? Should we do a round of, of live keto? And we actually landed on doing a beat the bloat program, which is something that's been highly requested, but never done.
2: Yes. So we have the Beat the Bloat ebook, which was updated in 2021. And we've had thousands of you participate in our Beat the Bloat cleanse using our Beat the Bloat bundle, which is four curated supplements to really aid in plowing your microbiome to reset your microbiome to flourish with good gut flora and kill off any dysbiosis or candida overgrowth. But a lot of you want a little bit more hand-holding in the process or troubleshooting as you're progressing through that six-week cleanse. So what we've set up is a three-live class program which will launch april 6th that will be kicking off then that following monday to start week one we'll have another class on april 7th which will be meeting you at that midway point of your six-week cleanse and then another class on may 18th which will be rounding out and going into that Kind of secondary element of bacteria rebuild and making sure that your gut flora is working favorable that you have passed your probiotic challenge and you don't need to go deeper into another round of a gut cleanse so throughout these live classes there will be direct engagement with participants we will have seven weeks of chat forum on our slack channel so this is a private uh, entity which will be just accessible to becky and myself as the moderators and then those of you that purchase a spot in this program. So you can ask questions about rashing or dermatitis or changes in bowels, or should I take more of the ultimate detox because of this symptom or inflamazine? What would be more appropriate? Uh, And so that's going to be really, I think, a huge value added of having us as a touch base to help you troubleshoot through your process. And I know a lot of you like me need to do beat the bloat cleanse about once or twice a year because of history of resistant, despite. So maybe you've done one and it was kind of a turnkey lifestyle change, huge beneficial outcomes. But now it's been 18 months or another two years, and you definitely need a reset or um, kind of a uh, re-gathering of information to make sure that you can take your next gut cleanse to the next level. So this program will be offered at $65, which is quite a steal. Um, Really, it's about half the value of our virtual food as medicine ketosis program when we did that live, and that was $2.99. So we feel like $65 is an awesome value to give you the three live classes, seven weeks of chat forum. You'll get the updated Beat the Bloat ebook included on this and participants will get discounts on labs, namely the most gut-focused ones of the MRT test and or the stool test. So the savings in the labs will be superior even over that $65 value of the program. So if you've been eyeballing the labs, definitely want to participate in our
1: Beat the Bloat program. All right, so you can head on over to AllyMillerRD.com and under the books and programs tab, you will find this program and stay tuned for more to come as things evolve. Yes. All right, let's have a quick word from our sponsor for this episode, Fond Bone Broth.
2: Yes, so you all know that I love Fond Bone Broth. It is truly your food as medicine sous chef in a jar. They really take quality to the next level from how they bottle their product in glass, beautiful artisan jars to the way that they simmer them in stainless steel vats so that there's no leaching or toxicity. And then the ingredients that they're curating are from local farmers as well as free range organic chicken and grass-fed beef. Their flavor profiles are phenomenal and they really make you enjoy sipping on bone broth that does not taste like just hot meat juice but tastes like a health elixir. So there's great brightness of flavors, acidity, herb seasoning spices. Uh, I love various flavors, but one of my favorites right now, as we're starting to get into spring is the spring clean, which is the lemon radish uh, flavor profile. I also love the butternut squash chipotle sage blend. And uh, the one that we also have one that incorporates rosemary in there. Uh, just fantastic flavor profiles really enjoyable to sip on and a great way to ensure that you are getting that facelift for the gut so you're getting glutamine you're getting collagen and gelatin that really does help to seal gut lining to reduce food sensitivity and address that leaky gut concern which can drive chronic inflammation. And as we're talking in heart health, inflammation is really the root cause of heart disease. So even a connection there. And we know that when you sip on bone broth, the glycine in your bone broth is really a therapeutic nutrient to help to lower homocysteine, a marker of vascular inflammation as well. So go on over to fundbonebrothcom slash AllieMillerRD. Uh, also, you can use the code AllieMillerRD at checkout and you'll save 15% on your first order. And I'm sure that you will enjoy whatever flavors you try at Fond Bone Broth.
1: And again, fondbonebroth.com slash RD. All right. Let's kick things off with just kind of some basic foundational stuff of how the heart actually works, right? Um, So let's do basic anatomy and and just understanding of function of, of this essential organ. First.
2: Yes. So, you know, the heart is an organ about the size of your fist, and its primary function is to pump blood throughout your body. It is comprised of multiple layers of tissue, and it is the center of your circul- circulatory system. So, it is a network of blood vessels, arteries, veins, capillaries that all connect into the heart to carry blood to and from all areas of our body. And when we're carrying blood flow, this means that we're delivering oxygen and nutrients to all of our organs in need to work properly so the heart works in two ways the right side of the heart receives the oxygen poor blood from your veins and it pumps it into your lungs where your lungs can exchange that carbon dioxide for oxygen and then uh, in our left side of the heart we receive from that pulmonary oxygenated rich blood the oxygenated blood from the lungs and pump that through our arteries to the rest of our body. And this pumping mechanism is regulated by our heart's electrical system. This is what's going to control the rate and the rhythm of your heartbeat. And a healthy heart will supply your body with the right amount of blood and also oxygen and nutrients in that blood to aid to work as a healthy
1: functional body. Okay pretty cool and and pretty amazing and I think a very intricate system, right? Yeah,
2: I think we often overlook the element of the electrical piece of this, and Mm -hmm. that's what we'll kind of nerd out on a little bit more today. If there is something off with our electrolytes, which play a huge role with our electrical system, or with our nervous system, or our endocrine system. So nervous system would be what I always call to as that like HPA access, that fight or flight mechanism, the autonomic nervous system control, and the connection with your central nervous system. This plays a huge role in our heart rate and our blood pressure and that can influence the heart structurally to have to work harder and then we can get uh, you know tissue thickening or we can get issues in our walls uh, when we look at our heart, it is essentially having four hollow chambers that are surrounded by muscle and other tissue, and then these chambers are going to be separated by valves. Um, the valves play an into- a really important role to make sure that the blood keeps flowing in the right direction. So they're kind of sealing and opening, again, kind of pushing out that depleted blood and receiving that fresh
1: oxygenated blood okay so a little bit of anatomy 101 um and and kind of defines that primary function of working with vessels and the respiratory tract in oxygen exchange in the blood um let's dig even deeper into kind of the electrical element or or the actual heartbeat okay so we talked about
2: chambers we talked about you know vessels and such so there's a contraction in the atria and the ventricles that make a heartbeat, and when your heart beats, it makes that lub-dub sound. And you know, if you hear this with a stethoscope, or you know, even if your child's laying on your chest, you can listen to each other's heartbeat. Um, you know, the atria. Um, after your atria pumps blood into the ventricles, the valves between the atria and the ventricles close and prevent the black the backflow. And this is where you'll hear that lub sound of the valves closing, essentially. And then after the ventricles contract to pump blood away from the heart the aortic and the pulmonary valves close and that makes the dub sound Uh, and your heart is going to beat on an average of 60 to 100 beats per minute in that one minute your heart can pump about five quarts of blood through your arteries which delivers this steady stream of oxygen and nutrients to again your entire body all of your vital organs and the electrical signals cause the muscles to contract and you know your heart has actually its own special electrical system called the cardiac conduction system and this system controls the rate and the rhythm of that lub-dub heartbeat again of those valves opening and closing. And with each heartbeat, the electrical signal is going to travel from the top of the heart to the bottom. And as the signal travels, it causes that contraction and pumping function.
1: Got it. And let's talk a little bit deeper about maybe what can go wrong in terms of this piece of the puzzle. So with the rhythm of the heart and this electrical signaling, um, what can happen there?
2: Yeah, I mean, we think of arrhythmia Mm -hmm. as the main condition. And and this is really often a start of heart disease that's overlooked um, because there are many medications that can address arrhythmia. Uh, But again, if we're not really resolving from the root cause, we're going to get widening or narrowing or cellular changes that are undesirable that can interfere with optimal cardiac. Function. So, arrhythmia is really defined as an irregular heart rhythm. AFib or atrial fibula- fibrillation is going to be one of the most common types of arr- arrhythmia and um, we know that conduction disorders in which the electrical signals do not generate properly um, or basically that electrical signal won't travel through the heart properly or conducting in the first place is where we'll often see a root cause of arrhythmia and in arrhythmia we can see a Accelerated heartbeat or a slow heartbeat or just an irregular rhythm to the heartbeat. If we're seeing rapid heart rate, we're going to see tachycardia, and when we see slower heart rate, we're going to see bradycardia. And then um, arrhythmia can be caused. Um, excuse me, can cause again the unfavorable element is the changes in the heart tissue
1: uh, or the activity of the electrical signals in the heartbeat itself. Okay, and then what are some of the, I guess, ways that this Would be picked up on or or diagnosed. Um, And then let's talk about triggers for arrhythmia.
2: Yeah. So often arrhythmia will be diagnosed with an EKG, or uh, we'll also see like a heart rate monitor halter being worn, where an individual will wear one for like 24 hours and they'll measure the rhythm of the heart to see irregularities. And that's important because, kind of like a CGM, you know, there is again this neurological influence on heart rhythm and so we can see a lot of our autonomic nervous system like chronic stress or changes in anxiety or that fight-or-flight response playing a dynamic influence on an irregular heartbeat. And that might be more um, unpredictable or infrequent and may not always be observed in a diagnostic hospital or doctor's appointment type setting. So when we think of drivers of arrhythmia, we definitely would highlight stress as Mm -hmm. one of the biggest ones and an imbalance in the nervous nervous system in general. Um, We also look at infection or injury. Um, And we look at genetics and then potential damage um, from toxins can also play a big role with arrhythmia. Got it.
1: Okay. Um, And then what would be some of the conventional treatments, I guess, for this? Sure. So when we're
2: looking at conventional influence of arrhythmia, we're going to be seeing drugs such as beta blockers. Beta blockers are going to be a first line of defense, especially with tachycardia. Um, Beta blockers will also be used to treat high blood pressure or that rapid heart rate and they can prevent repeat episodes of arrhythmia the concern with beta blockers is that they can cause digestive disturbances sleep problems and sexual dysfunction which can be quite remarkable a lot of my um, patients that have had a cardiovascular procedure like a stent um, or some form of Cardiac procedure, which requires long-term beta blocker use, often will see impact with chronic fatigue, um, exercise performance interference, and sexual dysfunction sure. because you can't drive that vigor um, that we need in our in our vessels for optimal function. Sure, and we,
1: then they're likely looking at another prescribed medication to sure. address some of those things. Right,
2: and and we'll talk today about role of things like um, you know your endothelial. Um, support with nitric oxide and antioxidants and how we could take that in a different way so beta blockers could be used but there's definitely known side effects there blood thinners um, could be used to try to prevent the risk of clots forming especially if the blood flow was slower Um, and that can be used to prevent stroke so it could be used in this world and blood thinning medications are concerning as far as risks of bleed out Uh, In the calcium channel blockers, these could be used to slow a tachycardia or rapid heart rate. Um, And often when we're looking at our calcium channel blockers, they'd be used to control arrhythmias of the upper chambers. In some cases, we do know that calcium channel blockers can also trigger ventricular fibrillation, which is not ideal either. Um, They can also cause swollen feet and low blood pressure potassium channel blockers could also be used so here you're starting to hear nutrients right and so we're influencing that electrical Mm -hmm. charge by manipulating the electrolyte essentially in in the body so potassium channel blockers could be used to slow the heart rate as well Um, they're going to basically lengthen the time it takes the heart cells to recover after firing so they don't fire and squeeze as often Uh, we do know that potassium channel blockers then can also drive low blood pressure or other forms of arrhythmia like the bradycardia and then the sodium channel blockers would block the transmission of electrical signals lengthen cell recovery periods and make cells less excitable but these drugs can actually increase the risk of sudden cardiac arrest in people who have heart disease so there's some serious uh, side effects with addressing arrhythmia from these kind of downstream conventional medical interventions and also there are procedures that can be used like a cardioversion or a catheter or ablation or um, an implantable whether it's a cardioverter or a defib
1: or an icd okay got it um and then with the functional approach then how would we address arrhythmia where's kind of the the starting point
2: so we're gonna look right away at electrolytes to start Mm -hmm. is there an electrolyte imbalance and i think we see this all too often i know we talked about in our youtube channel we made an awesome recipe uh electrolyte kind of like margarita type vibe <laughs> it was lime and lemon all that's and, missing is the tequila right yeah. <laughs> relax and regulate redmond real salt uh we'll put the youtube video um so you'll have to watch the video to get the recipe but an awesome delivery to address that right away with food as medicine getting all of those minerals that play a role with your electoral char- electrical charge regulation um, so electrolyte imbalance would be something that we'd look into like is this person using a sauna are they new to keto and mm. so they've lost that hydration um, we we look with aging in general seeing electrolyte imbalance and so something as simple as re- replenishing electrolytes could resolve and then we know all of the nutrients of our electrolytes namely magnesium has 300 plus enzymes that play a role in blood sugar regulation and blood pressure and actually in regulating our lipids and so much more so there's always that multitude of benefit versus the downstream side effects we could get with a conventional intervention we would look at high blood pressure We would look at sleep apnea because sleep apnea is going to reduce the oxygenation in the blood because it interferes with our pulmonary function, which then makes our heart work harder or more irregular. And then thyroid disease can also be an area of kind of a root cause because the thyroid plays a big role with our metabolic signaling and our heart rate kind of is is
1: gathered in that world as well. Sure. Okay. And then I think relax and regulate would be like our... Biggest tool that we would add in, um, right? You mentioned putting it in that um, electrolyte beverage, but I think this would be a a fantastic really safe daily intervention.
2: And there's just so much research. And we've talked about you know the benefit of Relax and Regulate with that magnesium bisglycinate. A lot of the cardiovascular research out there in the double-blind randomized clinical trials are using magnesium oxide, okay. which is just not optimal. It's not as bioavailable, especially in your neuromuscular system, which plays a huge role with that neurological influence beyond the actual electrical charge that magnesium gives as an electrode. We've seen in studies, though, that after magnesium supplementation, systolic and diastolic blood pressures were significantly improved and we'll link that research study and that was looking at um, beneficial impacts of blood pressure for those that had a magnesium deficiency and again as we age most americans are actually already magnesium deficient just because of soil depletion and also diet and uh, or limited diet and then stress depleting magnesium Mm -hmm. so we could all use a boost there Yes. And I mean, we could nerd out on magnesium all day long from all of its varied benefits. You know, we've seen research studies that show specifically magnesium glycinate can help to lessen daytime sleepiness and enhance memory. So again, if we're talking about heart disease in the aging population, we're talking about more vitality through the day. We're talking about an actual enhanced IQ and short-term memory by taking 125 to 300 milligrams of magnesium bisglycinate, which is in one scoop of our relaxant regulate and then there's studies that will show magnesium bisglycinate supporting leg cramps which we also see as we age and that's an indicator often of electrolyte insufficiency blood sugar regulation can be improved we see fasting insulin levels going down and we see lowered a1c we see bone health improvement reduced migraines and headaches all with the use of that magnesium bisglycinate. glycinate so i think for sure that that's one of those it's why it's our number one selling supplement relax and regulate um i think because there's such a myriad of
1: benefits you can get with just that one ingredient right um, and what's often overlooked with that supplement actually is is, is it's not just a magnesium true, supplement, true. you guys. Um, it's also got myo-inositol in there, which has a dynamic influence on cardiometabolic health as well, especially as we're talking about um, the diabetic population yes. and prevention of cardiometabolic disease.
2: Yes. So there was a study where data showed significant improvement in serum level of insulin sensitivity, reduction of cholesterol, LDL, and homocysteine after three months of use of myoinositol. And then they also saw that blood pressure was significantly reduced in the patients that were using the myoinositol. So we're really seeing huge influence here and again we're going beyond both of those nutrients and their mechanisms but also the fact that these nutrients can aid in regulating the HPA access which is really when we're looking at the neurochemical imbalances we know that that relax and regulate can cross that blood-brain barrier and that magnesium bisglycinate can block the pituitary like a bodyguard from stimulating with ACTH the adrenals which would make the cortisol fight-or-flight stress hormone and the epinephrine which is going to drive that tachycardia we're actually seeing the ability to downregulate the ACTH from magnesium bisglycinate which means that neurologically bound you're in a more parasympathetic rest regulate metabolize and have much more of a favorable cardiac rhythm from this organ and you get
1: all of that just from taking relax and regulate but let's talk about maybe what else um could cover this mechanism or, or other things that we can do especially to support just that whole HPA access connection to the heart.
2: Yes. So if you're someone that you know is under high stress, you know, we always say that stress can be a silent killer. And, you know, in my anti-anxiety diet book, that's really the hypothesis that anxiety or mismanaged stress is the root cause of all chronic illness. Because over time, it's going to destroy our gut. Over time, it's going to drive autoimmune disease. Over time, it's going to drive chronic inflammation. And definitely, we know mismanaged stress and anxiety can drive cardio vascular drama so one thing we want to really do is focus on our vagus nerve the vagus nerve is the largest nerve in the body which goes from the brain stem all the way down to the colon and this is going to play a huge role in regulating this kind of autonomic nervous system freeway if you will and so if we think of managing the vagus nerve um, there are various natural relaxation processes that we can employ Um, so i talk about in my book the anti-anxiety diet the four seven eight breath which is inhaling for four through your nose with your lips sealed holding for seven and then exhaling with kind of pursed lips and like a whooshing like a shh breath out for eight and that double exhale to inhale ratio has been shown clinically to actually bring the body into a parasympathetic regulatory state and have an influence on the vagus nerve directly so that's one thing that you can employ if you're feeling yourself getting keyed up you can feel your heart racing or you can feel that proverbial elephant on the chest or even sweaty palms or whatever signals you get of a stress response The 478 breath can be a really great way of harnessing that stress stallion and getting you back to a calm, mellow state, which is ultimately going to help with your heart
1: health and make less stress to that muscle okay and then the anti-anxiety diet um, book I think would be a really great resource there I know you talk about the four seven eight breath but there's also a ton of other key tools in that book absolutely so we go
2: into you know dysbiosis and leaky gut and the primary inflammatory foods the importance of blood sugar regulation and getting that into balance as well as addressing neurotransmitter imbalances and so again if we're someone that maybe we don't define anxiety as something that we're dealing with um, but we run a high stress lifestyle this is definitely a really good resource to consider and we have on the Ally miller rd um, website a bundle of the anti-anxiety diet and the anti-anxiety diet cookbook um, so that's a really great already discounted bundle of both books you get kind of the application with the food as medicine while you're reading the nerdy science and strategy and um, could be a great program to kind of take on for yourself over the um, spring into summer and if you want more of a program program approach you could check out our adrenal rehab program and um, we can do a little flash sale for y'all because i think that this is a big one when we're talking about heart disease and this electrical impulse um is it adrenal 99 we can use that code sure so that brings it to what 99 dollars, or brings 100 off or something like that
1: one of those two, I always forget. It brings forget. it
2: from 199 to either 100 or 99 yeah. but you save a those. lot, about 50% <laughs> off there for sure. So we'll put that as a link, um, as a resource as well. And that'll even go into lifestyle, like looking at things like singing, humming, like actual just... Mm-hmm. That's very Humming is very grounding and that has been shown to impact the uh, vagus system, which is why we've seen like Buddhist monks that chant uh, different tonal sounds that are like kind of, again, rhythmic and include a hum to them can be very supportive for vagus nerve and even gargling. Um, so in fact, like in the medical field, they'll often have someone like fake gag um, to actually reset their vagus nerve interesting
1: yes Mm. (laughs) it's like those like lower sounds like more kind of guttural yeah
2: yeah and you can kind of feel it you know you get that like butterfly reset Mm -hmm. in your gut when you have some of those
1: reactions yes um and then calming clear as well as gabacom i think would be fantastic tools if you are dealing with arrhythmia and You know that there is a a stress kind of root cause
2: absolutely so again before i would recommend a client family member loved one to go on some of those medications that can interfere with your electrolytes like those calcium channel blockers or even the beta blockers which can drive the dysfunction that we discussed I would first use as a first line of defense a full dose of Calm and Clear and employ Calm on top of that Relax and Regulate. That'd be like my trifecta. And in the world of Calm and Clear, this is a capsule formula, which I would recommend six a day as a good baseline, but yet aggressive, functionally impactful dosage. And so this would be like two servings. The supplement facts on our label are going to be per three capsules. So you'd be taking maybe two at rise, two at lunch, two at bed, just distributed throughout your day, calm and clear can be with or without food and it is a blend of b vitamins which play a huge role as cofactors to our neurotransmitters we're also going to get good energy metabolism there we're going to get a little bit of vitamin c to be a protective antioxidant we're going to get a little bit of a chelated form of magnesium in here and then we're also going to get some nervine herbs including like uh, melissa officinalis which is lemon balm lemon balm has been shown in research specifically with heart palpitation relief Um, there was a double blind randomized clinical trial which i'll link um, which was compared to placebo that's the gold standard of seeing does something actually work Um, and they saw remarkable outcomes with the lemon balm and lemon balm is also actually in our uh, beat the bloat bundle in our um blend for our herbal immune so it plays a role also when we're thinking about doing like a gut cleanse and resetting gut infection it does aid in calming as an antispasmodic but it also calms the nervous system which can be keyed up during a gut cleanse there's oh, kind of totally. a, a definite yep. function and intervention there and then um, there's more nervy herbs in the calm and clear like flower, valerian, and it's balanced off with ashwagandha, which is going to be an adaptogenic herb, which has been shown in research also independently to be favorable for cardiovascular function. And then I don't want to overlook, which we never talk about in Calm and Clear. We talk about L-theanine all the time and we talk about phosphatidylserine regulating cortisol, but taurine is also in here. And taurine is important because it can actually have favorable function for both heart and brain. It helps to support nerve growth and it can benefit people with heart failure by regulating blood pressure and calming the nervous system, which can help to prevent heart failure from becoming worse. So I feel like calming Common Clear actually is a very cardiovascular friendly tool, especially for those that have been like high powered attorneys sure. now on four different, right. you know, medications or had stents put in or they've really stressed themselves and the heart has taken the beat of that. And, and I would say also, as I'm saying this out loud, get ahead of it and don't be that person that requires the right. procedures and those three, four medications. Take the calm and clear so that you don't get to the level of an AFib diagnosis and
1: keep your system regulated, calm, and safe. Yep. And then the Gabacom would be an additional added bonus layer, especially if you are someone who just notices like maybe there's no diagnosis or anything and, and we're you know years from that, but we notice our heart rate really increasing, like feeling that pounding in your chest when you are under elevated stress, that's a really good tool to employ, you know, whether there's a diagnosis or not. And that would be used one to two kind of at that time of of heightened stress. So whether it's something you can anticipate, like you're going into a big meeting and your heart is always beating out of your chest when you do that, uh, taking to 15 minutes before or at the onset of like, somebody cuts you off in traffic and that just like, triggers a yeah. cascade and and kind of gets things going and you're having a hard time winding down I keep it in my glove box in my car with crazy drivers in Austin so. <laughs> yes
2: I think Gabacolm is huge there and like you said more acute more pulsed in at times of need and on our product page for Gabacolm we have a lot of research studies actually linked to blood pressure regulation as a huge kind of first-line defense tool so I think that's a great
1: strategy Okay, so we've talked some on stress regulation, giving you some good tools there. Let's talk more about just actual endothelial and vessel health and kind of concerns in that world.
2: Okay, so the endothelium is a thin membrane that lines the inside of the heart and blood vessels. Our endothelial cells release substances that control vascular relaxation and contraction, as well as enzymes that control clotting factors, so blood clot function, as well as immune function and platelets. Uh, so, when we're, or, or platelet aggregation and adhe, adhesions. So, when we're talking about endothelial dysfunction, this is a type of non obstructive coronary artery disease in which there's no heart artery blockages, but the large blood vessels on the heart's surface constrict or narrow instead of dilating. And endothelial dysfunction can be caused by various conditions. Um, We definitely attribute metabolic syndrome as a big one. So when we're looking at elevations in blood sugar or diabetes in that world, that's going to create damage actually to the endothelial tissue, which will then create dysplasia or abnormal cellular repair. And that will create that stricting or that narrowing in the function and the cells basically endothelial can get damaged by excess sugar. They can get damaged by stress from hypertension. So actually stretching those vessels too dramatically can create micro tears. We know that smoking by being a a dynamic pro-oxidant and toxin can damage the endothelial tissue. And then we know Physical inactivity can actually play a fav- an unfavorable role. So, you know, that's where exercise is really key for cardiovascular health. Physical inactivity can drive endothelial dysfunction.
1: Okay, got it. Let's talk um, kind of the, the food as medicine and, and what we would do to support our endothelial function
2: yes so the the reason you know it's really important because again there's vasodilation that is endothelium dependent and the endothelial tissue will play a huge role with thrombosis so we're talking about like deep vein thrombosis or we're talking about stroke or we're talking about clot that gets dislodged and or can can drive cardiovascular disease Um, this is really where we're seeing this as an area of focus and when we're talking about food as medicine and natural compounds. We're really looking at polyphenol rich foods and food um, compounds that can aid as potent antioxidants so this can be the world of teas like green and black tea this can be red anthocyanins and purple pigments in our berries this can be cacao um everyone loves an you know a reason or a prescription for 100 dark chocolate so cacao powder or nibs could be in this area And then we also see outside of the polyphenol world, uh, well, I guess fatty fish could have polyphenols like astraxanthin, which would be in the pink pigments of our, um, you know, our... uh, shrimp or our wild caught salmon but we do think of in the fish world omega-3 fatty acids have also been shown to actually activate pathways in endothelial cells promoting an increased formation of nitric oxide and endothelium dependent hyperpolarization so there's actual improved function that we can see in this tissue when we have a polyphenol antioxidant rich diet that's paired alongside with the omega-3 fatty acids from our wild caught fish Sounds like
1: a Mediterranean keto approach might be appropriate here. Yes,
2: for sure. So we can link that. We should link that podcast episode as well. I don't know if you've been hearing it, but recently I've been hearing a lot of pushback in the world of omega-3 fatty acids and maybe it's just some new clients that have been in in my um clinic and their cardiologists or their doctors but i had a couple patients in the most recent couple months where their doctor was like oh i don't think i want you on fish oil so i think there's some
1: smear campaign that i haven't seen oh yeah i know it's so interesting i just mean, like- i have a lot that'll come in on like the algae forms. And I'm like, there's no e- EPA yeah. in there. There's mm-hmm. some DHA. But I don't know how bioavailable it is. Probably not. Yeah, um, yeah.
2: And and I don't know if these are doctors that actually read something on like maybe you know microplastics sure. or, or dioxins and toxins in fish. And that's their concern. Or if they, I've had many of them are saying, oh, go on Loveza, which is the pharmaceutical mm-hmm. version of fish oil. Um, But it's not going to be the exact molecular structure that you would get from the fish itself as which we use in our EPA DHA Extra. And so our EPA DHA Extra is going to provide you the same molecular structure of wild caught fish. Um, We use sustainable sourced fish in the product and we do third party tests for dioxins toxins microplastic PCBs as well as testing for purity and testing for rancidity so you know we go above and beyond expectations of not just giving you a dosage that will give you effective impact in the cardiovascular world at three capsules a day, but we're also ensuring that it's pure. And I think that that's a really important piece to kind of hit on. And so I've seen so much compelling research on the benefit of omega-3 fatty acids, especially... I mean, it's most compelling in lowering triglycerides. Mm -hmm. That's the most well-accepted area. And then, you know, when we look beyond reducing triglycerides, we're looking at supporting the elasticity or the endothelium of our vessels, right? And so we're really getting good turgidity and elasticity in our vessels with that anti-inflammatory support of those omega-3s so definitely check that out as a great tool in heart health and we are coming out with it may be out by the time we announce this an EPA DHA extra liquid which we're super excited to share that's going to have a super potent dosage in just a teaspoon Um, so if you want to replace three capsules with a teaspoon that would be one way to get an effective dosage of EPA and DHA, uh, where, you know, you could do that in a smoothie or just on a spoon. And it's also going to be flexible dosing for children. So we can be getting in that omega-3 for brain development as early
1: as, you know, one year of age and onward. And we'll be doing a whole episode all about getting fish into the that's what I was going to say yes yes
2: and and we should link so as of now we have the youtube YouTube video out um and so the youtube video was released recently of you know ways to eat fish so we talk about different preparation techniques um importance of fish in the diet sourcing and selection and then um we also have a recipe coming out on youtube which will be available by the time this episode airs on making I think it was a black drum a pan seared black drum with like a lemon garlic butter sauce uh so that'll be a really good resource, but we'll, we'll end up doing an entire podcast on ways to get fish in your diet because we do need to nerd out more about toxicity in our oceans and yeah. I think have more yep. of a conversation there. Yep. But important to address, but keep taking your fish not oil. Not concerned <laughs> with, well, at least our fish oil. Right, I can right. say that yes. with great confidence. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. EPA DJ Extra is absolutely an essential tool and I think that's like wasn't that like Byron's parents like first thing that they started on it's I was gonna say it's like a gateway supplement give it as
1: Christmas gifts yeah
2: all parents pretty all the parents got Um, them off the Kirkland stuff I'm like this is junk please throw it out yes yes we
1: use rosemary extract as a
2: preservative instead of you know
1: Toxic compound. Yep. All right. Um, let's talk other driving drivers of of clotting or vascular dysfunction. Cause I think this is a really important conversation and and I'm sure we're gonna hit on the schmack's schmeen and clotting and all of the yes. things too.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I think that now we've hit the role of the electrical kind of Conducted charge that regulates the pumping and the valve function. We know how the heart is getting its oxygen and the blood exchange that's going on. And now we know the importance of supporting antioxidant, anti inflammatory properties on that vascular level. Um, And we talked about how the endothelium regulates clotting factors and vascular function but under high levels of inflammation um, we can see fibrolytic activity in the body and we also know that there are, are some people that have genetic clotting factors and that clotting factors can be environmentally impacted and yes in the environmentally impacted world is where I would definitely say there's interesting things coming out with these experimental injections I know AstraZeneca 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 AstraZeneca. anyways yeah yeah. one letter yeah yeah. Uh, that they were the most kind of known out there blood clot driving um, vaccine J&J also Mm -hmm. was one of the bigger ones that was talked about with clotting factors Um, but there's been discussion in in embalmers who are individuals that you know are going to preserve a body for visitation um, at a funeral and embalmers have to literally drain the the vessels and the veins have to be drained completely. Um, and there has been photos that have been going on and being shared. Um, I've seen them on Children's Health Defense as well as um, Mercola as a resource of since these individuals that had uh, COVID jabs in the um mRNA form that embalmers have been removing a strange white rubbery clot that's more fibrolytic and dense than a typical blood clot. Typical blood clots should be able to be kind of smashed between two fingertips um, and just kind of dissolved. Um, i thinking of, unfortunately, I'm looking, thinking of like period blood right, clots. Right, right, right. Essentially, that's what we're looking at. You know, it's t- just tissue buildup that should be able to easily be broken down. Um, but these are looking a lot more dense. And so the idea is the fibrolytic activity of spike protein and and what that's potentially doing on our vascular level. Um, We know that thrombosis is a major cause of death in our modern era, and it's responsible for 31% of all global deaths reported by World Health Organization. And thrombosis is due to the aggregation or the collection of fibrin in the blood vessels. And as blood vessels build up in fibrin, we see myocardial infarction or other cardiovascular diseases. So this is concerning. You know, we want to think about what's driving thrombosis and how to prevent. So whether you have had the vaccine or are having to consider the the vaccine or, or even just around, there's that conversation of the shed of spike protein and the role of spike protein, even in the idea of natural infection and spike protein being kind of n- more novel in, in this potentially lab-created form of a virus, um, we really want to think about the focus of fibrolinic enzymes or proteolytic enzymes that can actually aid in antithrombosis therapy. They have been used clinically to treat thrombosis and fibrin buildup in the body. And this would be the proteolytic enzymes that are in our inflammasome. So we're talking about like seropeptidases and such. And proteolytic enzymes work to break down tissue buildup. This is what we would use in an elevated LPA. Um, LPA stands for lipoprotein particle A. Next episode, we're going to go through our entire cardiometabolic panel. So if y'all are looking at learning more about your heart health and, you know, doing at least an annual deep dive on cardiovascular function, we will be actually going through a cardiometabolic lab and talking about each area of the value, high, low, and what you would do as an intervention. Um, and so Inflamazime is definitely a go-to tool when we think of clotting factors, and that's a marker in a lab of a clotting factor. We talked about the importance of Inflamazime in our long-haul episode for the same reason, and we've also talked about it always in our protocols for vaccination and this isn't just pre post vaccination this would be if you got vaccinated this is probably something that should be in the long haul or at least for the first couple years post as your body's adapting and you'll see with like the frontline um, critical care doctors that they're recommending baby aspirin daily again whether it's for support for preventing clotting from vaccination or infection I would much prefer and recommend using fibrolinic enzymes or proteolytic enzymes and replacing that baby aspirin especially if you're going be on epa dha extra then you're having blood thinning effect from the proteolytic anti-inflammatory botanical compound in the inflamazime and you're getting the blood thinning effect of the omega-3 while you're getting the benefits of the elasticity while you're getting the benefits of actually regulating your hscrp as opposed to again not getting that outcome sure. from and some of the over-the-counters maybe
1: getting gut damage or gi bleeds instead as a sure. side effect yes um and then we talked in our um myocarditis updates and and I guess it was more of a CoQ10 focused podcast with bonus myocarditis updates. Yeah, uh, but with we talked the, about vaccines and yeah, teens. Yep, yeah. um, CoQ10 quite a bit in there, and, and that we've seen efficacy, you know, with heart failure and cardiovascular disease in general. So I want to make sure we make a good plug for for CoQ10, kind of in this space as well.
2: Yeah, so this would be another one that, again, especially. Um, the males, were seeing a higher propendency towards risk of myocarditis and um, thinking of like teens into early 30s, um, you know, Co- CoQ10 plays a huge role as an antioxidant and levels have been associated when too low CoQ10 deficiency has been shown to have greater damage to tissues of the heart itself. Um, especially after heart attack or stroke. Um, we've seen that the CoQ10 itself can have a favorable impact on reducing C-reactive protein, which is, of course, an inflammatory biomarker, and that it plays a role with arrhythmia on its own as well. Um, so it actually plays an improvement in the cardiovascular function. And then, again, anyone who would be on a statin medication, um, we know that statin drugs block that HMG-CoA reductase pathway, and that that can deplete the CoQ10 level. So anyone on a statin drug should be taking one to two a day of our CoQ10 complex. And then as a preventative, I would say anyone that has, you know, had the schmack Schmeen
1: should be on CoQ10 as well to support cardiovascular function. Okay. And then when we talk heart health, I think a big area of focus is is on, you know, blockage, plaque buildup, arterial calcification, you know, talking about going and getting like a a calcification or calcium scan uh, of our arteries, um, let's hit on just priorities here and and also a little bit on where cholesterol fits in. I know we've done some good podcasts on that.
2: Yeah. So like I mentioned in the opening, episode 157, Cholesterol as Medicine, really is a deep dive on you know what cholesterol does structurally in the body. And we named it as medicine because it's absolutely essential for survival. So we don't like to demonize cholesterol by any means. We like to look at the distribution of our lipids and we like to look at the oxidation of our LDLs as more of a risk factor. So I think we'll nerd out more on that next week when we actually go through a lipid panel and talk about Mm -hmm. prioritization and and really get into an intervention level of what would we do to bring up HDL or what would we do to consider to bring down LDL and is this level of LDL concerning if there's a low oxidative LDL or the protein particles themselves are more buoyant and aren't small and dense. So I think we'll nerd out there um, in next week's episode. And, um, you know, just right now, I would say cholesterol is absolutely essential for survival. Um, When we're looking at heart health and overall cardiovascular function we're yes looking at regulating that clotting factor which can drive obstruction like i mentioned but we're also looking at taking a step back and just really thinking about how vessels get clogged in the first place so we think of our vessels like a garden hose or a tube if you will and if you left your garden hose outside in the winter it would get oxidized and cracked from the harshness to the environment okay or if there's dynamic temperature changes right there's going to be a lot of shifts in the structure of that hose so one thing we always watch for for our vessels to function optimal is to reduce the oxidative stress and the you know trauma to that area of course so we're looking at anti-inflammatory compounds and we're looking at antioxidant rich compounds to regulate the inflammation and the oxidative stress now if there was an arterial injury if that garden hose was under high pressure through hypertension right you were running the hose at high water you could create tearing in those endothelial tissue lining on the interior of the endothelial and those micro tears would create the need for a um, repair if you will in that repair process is often where we'll start to see plaque formation now plaque formation does have foam cells which require macrophages white blood cell response to oxidized LDLs to make plaque formation so cholesterol plays a role in that recovery process but as I said it requires macrophages which is a white blood cell response often mitigated by an infection or an imbalanced microbiome and we're looking at those ldls that have been oxidized so again if we're preventing by keeping the vessels elasticized lubricated and anti-inflammatory and we're regulating the heart uh, health by the by the blood pressure control with our calm and clear gabacom or relax and regulate you know type thing then we're not dealing with that injury in the first place and the other area of an injury beyond hypertension in that hose would be elevated blood sugar And we think of that of like, you know, like sandpaper. If your red blood cells are coated in sugar or glycosylated, we think of a higher amount of abrasion essentially going on and that abrasion is creating nicks at the surface and that's going to require that same mechanism for that repair process just like the hypertension would so if you can prevent elevations in blood sugar and elevations in blood pressure you are not going to be prone towards the tearing that would require that plaque formation to repair in the first place
1: Okay. And then I know another big area is optimizing the microbiome, right? We talk a lot about the like dental cavity um, connection to heart disease. Let's cover that a little bit too. Yeah.
2: So, you know, there's that macrophage connection as far as like a white blood cell responder. And if the body is in a low grade infection or has an oral infection, we do know that there's a strong connection to cardiovascular disease. So Probiotics can be a really great way to regulate that microbiome area so that we actually can have a more favorable white blood cell response. And that in turn is going to create less prone towards plaque formation or an unfavorable
1: dynamic plaque buildup. Got it. And then let's talk maybe some of our interventions in, in the world of prevention of oxidative stress and and keeping these vessels happy and keeping the garden hose. Yes. Looking good.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I think of, you know, again, I've, I'm not going to repeat the ones I've already mentioned. So going forward, I would bring in super turmeric. Um, super turmeric has multiple mechanisms, you know, so it's anti-inflammatory, it's antioxidant rich. Um, we know that it has been shown in clinical research to be preventative against cardiovascular disease and to protect against this endothelial dysfunction and provide an abundant antioxidant status. Uh, there's a study that I'll link in the show notes called Influence of Enhanced Bioavailable Curcumin on Obesity-Associated Cardiovascular disease risk factors and arterial function and this also was a double-blind randomized controlled trial and they found evidence for enhanced bioavailable curcumin to improve homocysteine and high-density lipoprotein concentrations uh, and also favorable cardiovascular health in the individuals that used the intervention.
1: Super cool stuff, and then vitamin C would also be a biggie. Here.
2: Yeah, so I would bring in the Bio C Plus for sure. Um, we have a whole episode we can link on vitamin C, and we did talk about it both reducing that lipid peroxidase, which is that oxidized LDL. Um, we know that vitamin C also can play a role on lipids and can improve that. Um, lining of the vessels and so you know especially with our bio c plus having that acerola cherry the quercetin and the bioflavonoid blend and hesperidin it has more of with those unique Uh, citrus based antioxidants the properties that also can inhibit and bind to spike protein which could reduce the driving if we're having higher circulating spike protein then that means that we would be more prone towards those abnormal clots that we're seeing as a downstream negative effect so another kind of dual impact there and along that vein I would, of course, shout out for cellular antiox. I don't think I mentioned mm-hmm. that when I was talking about inflammasome, But cellular antiox would be fabulous as well as a potent antioxidant with that N-acetylcysteine and glutathione. And especially, again, in the world of if we're looking at protection against spike protein, there is that dynamic inhibition. I forgot, was it 63.8 or 68 point, It was a high percent Inhibition that we featured on a Instagram post after our episode um, on Omicron and updates. So I'm not gonna misquote myself, but I know it's a high um, inhibited ability to um, block that spike. So that's a great you know decirculator,
1: if you will. Sure. Um, And then addressing that dysbiosis connection, we could do a probiotic challenge if we think that something is potentially off in the gut or if we are dealing with dysbiosis. Um, And the rebuild spectrum probiotic I think would be a strong consideration as well.
2: Yeah, the rebuild spectrum would have the more multi-strain impact. And so this would especially be for individuals that had been on an antibiotic. Uh, And we do know that that sterility, again, can exacerbate heart disease. Um, So getting a good robust microbiome and if you're not tolerating probiotics join us in the beat the bloat class because you need to address that dysbiosis and when we're doing this six-week gut cleanse it can really be preventative for overall health versus necess- necessitated by bloating and bowel irregularities you know it can be really a good housekeeping if you will for your microbiome um, really getting it to work for you and again the beauty in the beat the bloat cleanse is there's so many overlaps of therapeutic compounds like Our berberine boost, which we've talked about in studies, um, you know, not only works as effective as metformin in blood sugar lowering, but also has favorable lipid outcomes Mm. and reduces that lipid oxidation. Um, And, you know, some of the herbs, the TCM herbs blended with our berberine boost also support the endothelial cellular function. Um, And then I mentioned the lemon balm and the herbal immune. So there's a lot of overlap that I think would be a really good benefit. If you haven't done one yet, this might be a time to jump on that as a root driver of really Supporting your cardiometabolic health. Totally.
1: Um, let's wrap things up just by talking food as medicine for heart health. So. Okay we talked antioxidant rich foods what are your your favorite go-tos
2: yeah so you know i think in the world of antioxidants the again red and purple pigmented foods and then herb seasoning spices as well as sulfur containing compounds so in the red and purple pigmented foods we're thinking of anthocyanins so these are in like our red cabbage these are in our blueberries our blackberries our raspberries we've seen that anthocyanins can actually re- reduce the risk of arteries to harden and can improve overall blood flow after 24 weeks of consuming 320 milligrams a day of anthocyanins found in berries and grapes participants found a 12 to 22 percent reduction in harmful inflammatory compounds so pretty remarkable there from just dietary consumption and then herbs and seasonings and spices we're looking at um, you know things like ginger root of course you can use turmeric beyond taking our super turmeric and getting it in the inflammasome using turmeric in your smoothies and such as well uh, adding in rosemary again as an antioxidant in the diet oregano you know and anything in the world of fresh herb seasonings and spices is a great way to add nutrient density and that medicinal impact of your food as medicine uh, we're going to look at a low glycemic approach. So this is where Mediterranean keto totally thinks so, Becky, I think that'd be the best, you know, food is medicine support. Um, so, you know, often when we're talking about heart disease and if this is a episode that you're forwarding to a loved one and this is new for them. You have to remember that, you know, your body can make unfavorable cholesterol from a vegan muffin. You know, we're not worried about the milligrams of cholesterol in our eggs or in our shrimp anymore. That's really antiquated literature. When we're looking at our body's ability to prevent cardiovascular disease, we're looking at keeping insulin levels low. We're looking at keeping blood sugar levels regulated so we're not getting that tissue damage from that abrasion of the elevated blood sugar And then we're looking at eating whole food fats um, because whole food fats are going to have conjugated linoleic acids, let's say, in the sense of like butter, which is made from ruminants. Um, We're going to get fat soluble vitamins in quality foods like butter, like vitamin A, E, and K. We're going to get, you know, a lot more beneficial compounds and also more of that large buoyant LDL than we would get from our industrialized fats. So often when we're worried about lower cholesterol or lower. Or fat, we could actually be creating much more insult to our cardiovascular system than benefit We do like to balance out those saturated fats with the oleic acid and the monounsaturates in our olive oil, which is why we're saying like a Mediterranean keto. Um, But we do know that quality pasture-raised products can work really beautifully and have a favorable influence on cardiovascular health. So this could be using like grass-fed tallow or pasture-raised lard, or again, ensuring for certain that you're eating the whole egg with that yolk because in that yolk is where a lot of those B vitamins vitamins are, and that's where a lot of our fat-soluble nutrients and things like choline are going to be present, which have been shown to support cardiovascular function and reduce that inflammatory homocysteine value. So all about getting to the whole food sources of fats, reducing industrialized fats, which is like your seed oils and those pro-inflammatory omega-6s, and really ensuring that you keep your sugar down and eat ample protein and fat in the diet
1: paired with leafy greens and antioxidant-rich produce. All right. And then last but not least, boosting our anti-inflammatory support, um, getting those omega threes, as we mentioned. So our wild caught fish, our pasture raised eggs would be fantastic.
2: Absolutely. And then, you know, the last thing I would layer in is a probiotic rich food as a condiment as a great way to ensure that you're really harnessing that microbiome for that other area of focus for overall heart health and just quality of life because we know probiotics are nature's Prozac. So again, multitude of factors when you're getting good gut flora, that's going to regulate that neurotransmitter fight or flight stress response, which could have a huge impact on your cardiovascular signaling or electrical charge if you
1: will. All right. I think we've covered lots of ground today in terms of prevention of a lot of these common cardiovascular concerns and stay tuned for next week's episode where we will be unpacking our whole cardiometabolic panel. I'll link that panel if you want to get a jump start and kind of look along with us next week. Uh, but stay tuned for that one. And as always, if you've like this episode, um, please share it with a friend or family member who could benefit from this information. Maybe someone who's, you know, considering a statin drug, this would be a really good thing for them to hear first. Um, And go on over to iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen and go ahead and leave us a five-star review along with a couple of sentences of why you love the Naturally Nourished podcast.
2: And as always, our show notes are available at naturallynourishedrd.com or wherever you're listening. So you can also access those on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, you name it. And we will have all of the supplements that we discussed linked as well as description of these food as medicine priorities, the labs discussed, and the big offerings that we had in today's episode is taking advantage of really harnessing your stress response with our adrenal rehab program, which you can use Adrenal 99 to... To save on that. And then if you're someone that has not done a beat the bloat cleanse and is suspect to dysbiosis, definitely snag a spot in our upcoming program, which launches April 6th, the beat the bloat program.
0: Thank you for listening to the naturally nourished podcast. Visit our blog at allymillerrd.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans.